Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all. Uh, it's great to be back with our show, Taking Care of Business. Um, and today we're going to have a little bit of a different show as well. Uh, we're trying to kind of uh, change from time to time. So over the past few months, uh, we had a couple of episodes in which I shared with you, the listeners, uh, what I was thinking as the right approach for an entrepreneur or someone who wants to establish an, or buy a new business or establish a new company. And um, we also had a few guests that, uh, a couple of guests at least, uh, business coaches or consultants discussing the big pictures of the do's and don't do's of uh, entrepreneurs, uh, company owners, and how to do it right. Uh, We really got a great feedback and uh, the feedback was very positive, uh, very rewarding for me as well uh, when I shared my thoughts. However, the one question that kind of uh, remained open was, uh, with all the respect to my ideas and to other people's ideas, people want to know, people ask me more about um, what happened with Barclay Street Real Estate, um, what is the Barclay Street Real Estate story, um, do we walk the talk that uh, we kind of uh, deliver on our show, um, what, have, what have you guys done? Uh, how are you competing with the big institutions? The same questions that I usually ask every week, uh, other entrepreneurs and business owners. Um, do we have a mission, vision, statement? Um, everything, again, that we discuss with our guests on a weekly basis. So um, today we decided that I'll share the, our journey, the journey of Barclay Street uh, Real Estate. And um, to help me, I asked uh, two of my coworkers, Dion Krapko, Vice President of Property Management, and Casey Stewart, Vice President of our industrial team, to join me. Um, and the reason I asked these two fine gentlemen to, to kind of be my guest and join me in, in telling our story is more... Um, to ask him a few questions. I'll probably tell the story, but then I'm going to ask him a few questions. And, and they have one thing in common. Both made a move from a big well or an institution, the way we call it, to entrepreneurship, to companies that are privately owned. And uh, we will hear from them, um, you know, what were their kind of uh, hesitations, what they see as good, as bad, um, and ask them a few questions at the second part of our show today. Um, but let me start with the Barclay Street uh, story and um, and how we, we are kind of uh, trying to uh, do what we preach for and trying to walk our own talk. So I think the, the right approach is that um, the story of Barclay Street Real Estate actually began in 2001. Uh, that was three years before we rebranded as Barclay Street Real Estate. Um, at that time, we were still Toroad Realty. Um, eight equal shareholders uh, that were chosen as shareholders, but not necessarily for the right reasons. Um, I say it with, with, a, uh, with a lot of respect because uh, most of them are still here with us, um, and they will admit that um, that was the right structure that we had, the, sorry, the wrong structure that we had, 
Uh, even though we were shareholders, we acted as a partnership, and as a partnership, uh, we had our issues. Um, when we kind of bought the company in 2001, we had no business plan, we had no mission, vision, purpose, or we didn't even have a mutual goal as a partnership. Um, the result was that uh, every decision we had to make was uh, made by a committee, a committee of eight partners, and, and this uh, doesn't work. It doesn't work on a daily basis. Uh, instead of doing, you know, one uh, one annual meeting for the shareholders uh, discussing the, uh, I would say, the, the strategic plan of the company, we had to decide on a vote on each and every uh, document on each and every uh, where you buy paper and how much you spend on this and much I spend on that, which basically um, doesn't help you grow the company. You're busy with the minutia of the day-to-day instead of thinking on strategic level and, and thinking how to grow the company. Um, the good thing is we're all they're all everybody was a good person with, with you know the the uh, I would say. Didn't want to rock, rock the boat too much, but each one was pulling their own direction. Uh, we had situation that, uh, you know, four guys pulling one side and uh, four guys or three guys pulling the other side and one or two in the middle. And um, so, so that was kind of a little bit frustrating, but uh, that's how we operated for a few good years. Um, in 2004, we did rebrand as uh, Barclay Street Real Estate. We decided to change the name for the simple reason that our uh, the founder of the company has left. We bought his last shares. And uh, in 2004, as I mentioned, we changed our name from Toro Realty to Barclay Street Real Estate. Uh, the good thing today, I, I would say, is that a lot of people do not remember that we were Toro Realty. Realty. Uh, people see us, as, see us as Barclay Street Real Estate standing, standing on our own uh, kind of uh, legs. Um, at that time, between 2004 and going moving forward, um, I would say between 2004 to 2009, we had uh, shareholders join, we had shareholders leave, um, and once again, I think that we were missing uh, kind of the big picture as and, and the big goal and, and, and the, I would say, the common goals. Uh, and it was more of, uh, you know, the ship is moving forward. Just let's uh, keep the ship on track and, and not rattle it too much. Um, the result was, um, you know, when, when the market was good, we did well. When the market was a little bit shaky, um, the company was a little bit shaky. Um, in early 2009, we figured out that uh, this cannot continue the way it is. And we had a proposal to buy us um, to buy out the company by one of our competitors, one of those international brokerages uh, that was looking to grow. Uh, they were in a growing mode, and uh, they came and negotiated with us and uh, with, a, with the kind of uh, two or three people that we decided that will negotiate. And they put a proposal in front of us. However, uh, we made a decision instead of selling to a third party to restructure the ownership and uh, stay as Barclays Real Estate and stay with the company and continue working. However, with the new kind of uh, uh, structure on the executive side, and um, that kind of gave us the opportunity 
to uh, look at the uh, what I call the big picture, what I call the direction. Um, the first thing we did is, uh, or, or I was at that time kind of running the company, um, and um, the first thing I did personally is I hired a business coach, uh, which I, as you know, I uh, preach for in every week that I interview people. And I hired a business coach. He was one of my guests in our previous shows, Ken Larson. And together we started working on how I see uh, both my life and the company and where do I want to go. Um, that kind of helped me focus on the strategic part of the company um, and to try and bring more of, I would say, strategic thinking into the process. The first thing we did is uh, we got uh, Ken as an outside facilitator to uh, work with us and find the companies uh, creating um, our purposes and values. And and I'm going to share with you in a a second, but let me tell you how we did it. Um, We got the, the entire company involved. We had at that time about 35 employees. And uh, we divided them into three groups. Um, We had Ken meet each group uh, for a few hours. And uh, we started by um, each person writing their own core values. And then um, as a group, each group of the three groups created their kind of core values for the company. Following uh, that, we decided to kind of uh, narrow it to a smaller committee. And that committee... Uh, took the um, uh, all the core values that the three groups brought together, and uh, from there we narrowed it to uh, the company's core value, which we still kind of have today. Um, and I'll share with you uh, our core values. Uh, the first one is leadership. Uh, we lead ourselves and each other through the consistent execution of our vision based on respect, passion, and client-focused action. This is our first uh, core value, and we have four. Uh, the, second one, the second one is professional standards. Uh, we conduct ourselves to the highest level of compet- competence, uh, adequate image and accountability by bringing unprecedented exper- expertise to all client relations. The third one is success. We strive toward the highest level of personal, professional, and financial attainment through the realization of client-centered growth and execution. And the last one, the last core value we have is balance. We approach life and business with equal zeal, keeping both in perspective, growing forward as people and professionals together. Um, so those core four core values um, we decided as a company to adopt and we built kind of a pyramid that we have uh, when you walk into our office, uh, you can see the pyramid uh, when you get to the, our uh, boardrooms. We also kind of defined our, be- our purpose and our purpose is uh, Barker Street Real Estate exists because we genuinely care about our clients and want to provide them with services that help them to find success. And as you can see, uh, it's a very uh, client-centered, um, I would say, purpose and values. Uh, and that's, you know, coming in, a, being in the service industry, um, probably not a big surprise. Following um, our um, success in uh, defining our uh, mission, vision, purpose, um, we kind of uh, decided uh, to create, or it, about a year later, I would say in 2010 or 2011, 
we decided to do uh, what's called uh, a one-page business plan for the company. Instead of having, you know, 50-page, 40-page, we did a one-page, which is easy to read, easy to understand, easy to uh, relate to. And um, I'll share with you in a second. Um, we started, though, before that with implementing to every broker, every salesperson, uh, a bit, uh, had to prepare his or hers business plan for the coming year. Um, we uh, implemented through the property management, um, preparing a business plan and a, and, a, and a sales plan for the next coming year or each year. And um, that brought us to decide that we also need one of a big one, um, what's uh, called today uh, in the professional arena, it's the Gazelle uh, one-page uh, business plan. So in 2011, or sorry, late 2010, we put together uh, kind of a leadership team at the time. And uh, we uh, worked through the end of tail end of 2010 and the beginning of 2011, putting together that one-page business plan, uh, which I highly recommend. Uh, easy to read, easy to understand. Uh, it takes a lot of time to put it together. And and what that what our plan covers, or it, I would say the plan, uh, it's not just ours. It covers everything from core values, core competencies, uh, your BHAG big, hairy, audacious goal, which you should have as, as a company, um, your brand promise, and then it goes down, it trickles down, of course, SWOT analysis, and then it trickles down to your three-year target, one-year target, and action plans that you have to, uh, to do in order to achieve those. And from there, it goes quarterly. And the quarterly kind of assignments also go by name. So everyone on the leadership team has a role. Everyone on, his, on the leadership has to uh, get, um, you know, to complete their, his or her goals within the first quarter or the quarter that, that we're in. And uh, the most important is uh, the accountability and scoreboard. Um, the one-page uh, business plan has an accountability portion and that you achieve or don't achieve your goal and a scoreboard which uh, other people of the leadership team can measure uh, where you are, if you need help, or if you're achieving or not achieving, or you're slacking, uh, as, some, as some people may do from time to time. Uh, and um, that was one of our best years, uh, 2011. Um, since we wanted to implement it for the company, we also decided that uh, if we reach our goal or exceed it, uh, there will be a reward for uh, all the employees. And uh, our uh, reward was a trip to Mexico to the entire trip, to, sorry, to the entire company. Uh, we uh, exceeded our goal that year. And um, as a result, we took the entire company with spouses to uh, Cabo San Lucas, which is my preferred destination. And, um, and if anyone for, from uh, Canadian Revenue Agency listens, we did it from our private money, not we didn't write it off because uh, it was for fun. Uh, however, uh, it was a great year for, for us. And um, we started in 2012, uh, the same process. Um, however, um, I have to admit, we kind of slacked off mid-year or later that year, and uh, that fell off the rails. And um, that, that was kind of uh, 
our fault and nobody to blame but ourselves. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example um, on uh, the things that we have uh, on our quarterly uh, kind of uh, accountability measurement. Uh, so about myself is uh, increase the square footage we have under management, um, increase the number of property management contracts, uh, increase the number of listings and signs that we have uh, around the city, uh, recruit uh, people to the Edmonton office. Those are examples of the quarterly uh, assignments that uh, you take upon yourself and you get a scoreboard uh, from uh, that you have to uh, report back uh, at a quarterly meeting. Uh, we have to take our first commercial break. Uh, make sure to open a new tab and check our social media. Cassandra is posting pictures from our annual corporate retreat in Banff, which we had last weekend. And we will be back with you uh, following the commercials. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We are back with our show, Taking Care of Business, and uh, as I mentioned in the opening of our show today, um, I'll have now with me two uh, guests, um, uh, my, two of my co-workers, um, Casey Stewart, Vice President, Industrial Team, and Dion Krapko, Vice President, um, uh, Property Management. Um, as I mentioned, the reason they're here is um, both of them moved to Barclay Street um about five years ago, six years ago? Five years. Five years ago, both of them more or less within a couple of months of each other. Um, so um, 
before we I kind of start asking you a little bit about the company and about the process you went through, if you, one of you, or if you, Casey, why don't you start and uh, present kind of, where are you from? Where are you? Sure. I moved to this, uh, to this city in 2006. I graduated university, uh, U, U of S, University of Saskatchewan. And uh, this city presented a lot of opportunity. I always knew I wanted to do real estate. Uh, Saskatoon's too small. It's too small to operate and specialize. So Calgary presented that unique opportunity along with the mountains and the beauty that it has. Uh, I started with a major firm and I was there for just over seven years and had two roles there. My my first gig was uh, I was doing property tax assessment appeals, which was a great way to learn the market in the city. I was appealing office towers, retail, industrial land. So I, really good opportunity to, to learn the players. Uh, but my ultimate goal was always to move into brokerage. And I did that in December of 2008. Worked in the research side for, uh, it was supposed to be a year. I was in there for four months and then uh, was off on the brokerage side and, and running as fast as I could, working as, working <laughs> as much as I could. I see. One question before I let Dion uh, kind of present himself. Um, is Saskatoon too small because your dad is in real estate over there and uh, you didn't want to beat him or yeah, uh, you were afraid that he would beat you? He's got a big enough wake that I tried to stay out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Uh, Dion, so where are you from? So originally from Edmonton, Alberta, and I don't tell too many people that just in case there's some, some resentment there, but <laughs> uh, so I moved up to Calgary during the uh, 88 Olympics and I uh, studied uh, economics as a major and management as a minor. I got my degree from the University of Calgary. And then, you know, like, and you hear this from a lot of property management uh, individuals that they don't actively go looking for a career in property management. You just kind of fall into it. So I was fortunate enough to, to fall into it with a company called Morgard, who's a big player here in, in uh, Calgary. And then uh, eventually Oxford Properties picked me up for a, a seven-year stint, and then I uh, eventually moved over to Great West Life for GWL Realty Advisors for another 10. So I've been doing it for about uh, 20 years now with, with the big players, with the, the big guys downtown. So uh, David approached me uh, five years ago, as he had mentioned, uh, for an opportunity with Barclay Street, and I thought it would be a great chance to kind of put the stuff that I'd learned from um, from GWL and from, from Oxford uh, to, to work here at Barclay Street Real Estate. So, um, Casey... Does it, does it look that he is 20 years as a property management? <laughs> you don't have enough gray hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not working hard That's enough, right. I guess. Um, so my first question to you is, you know, before you, did, you made that decision to take that leap of faith and move from a big organization, which I call on my show either the institutions or the big wells, um, I'm sure you kind of, you, you know, you had some concerns. Uh, what was your biggest concern? Dion, we'll start with you. Sure. Biggest concern, obviously, is you, you go from a, a large corporate entity where everything is, is, you know, I call it safe. Everything's pretty secured as far as your, your job security is concerned, buildings are concerned, that kind of stuff, your contracts, uh, your tenancies, that kind of thing, to going to third party where you're, you're managing all these smaller contracts and you're dealing with owners day to day. So there's always issues that uh, come up. And, and obviously, at the end of the day, growth is a big part of that. You, you're looking at uh, growing the company and how, how are you going to do that? How are you going to establish uh, the reputation in the industry as, as a major player and, and bringing value to your clients, that kind of thing. So from my perspective, that was the biggest concern, fear I had, I guess, going to third party, which is, you know, people have said that's the other side of the pendulum, going from the large corporation to to a uh, third-party management firm, but it's, it's been a great stint the last five years. Very happy that I made that change. Casey, as a broker, um, 
you know, sales uh, is the way you make a living. What were your kind of fears or, or concerns to make that move from a big international company to a boutique firm? Probably very similar to Dion. I think uh, Collier's, who I worked with before, has a very recognizable name. Uh, there's certainly a few doors that may have been opened when I was there because of that name. So I was concerned with uh, a lack of, um, I guess, acknowledgement. Or, uh, but w- what I've kind of learned is when we moved over, we didn't we didn't lose any of our clients, and most didn't even know what Collier's was or what that big brand was. They knew who I was. They knew what dealing with me was like. They trusted me. They trusted my team. And, and so there was, uh, I, I guess it was a bit of an unfound fear, but there's still, I, I think there's still some, be- there's some benefits on the larger firm side in terms of gaining, um, gaining access to different meetings and different, um, different listings, for example, that uh, maybe might not be exposed to us. But does that change the way that we operate or uh, change our levels of business and our relevance? Absolutely not. And it, actually, it's probably uh, it's probably a better thing. Um, I have a, uh, my next question is more of a, a gut feeling or or your your kind of first reaction. So when you heard the word or you hear the word they were the word boutique firm, what do you think? Small or you think unique? Um, thinking out of the box, something that can maneuver fast. What is your first gut reaction when you heard when you hear boutique firm? My first gut reaction, boutique, is uh, I actually I think of something that uh, people can relate to a lot easier. Uh, I think of something that people react to in a positive way, and that is more nimble, trying to adjust to that person's uh, needs and desires. Dion, when you hear boutique coming from GWL, Morga, those are really kind of big, big, big right. whales. Right. Well, when I think of boutique now, and this is just through my experiences with prospective clients and that kind of thing, is the fact that boutique to me now means more uh, central or specialized in this marketplace. I, I hear a lot of clients say, well, where is your accounting division based out of? Are you guys in Toronto for your accounting? And I say, absolutely not. We have our accounting group right here in Calgary. So if you have an issue that way, you can speak to them directly. Uh, as, as well as our, our operations group, uh, call centers, that kind of stuff. Everything's based out of Calgary. So we're a Calgary-based company delivering service here in Calgary. Uh, and, and people really appreciate the fact that it's that close to them. And, and they can pick up the phone, call, come down to our office, speak to people here within our office. And that, that makes a big difference for my selling side of, uh, of, of the business or, or, or I guess our value uh, to our clients. So do you use the word boutique? We're in a boutique firm. Do you Are you proud of? You know, we represent a boutique firm. Local, local expertise matter. Absolutely, and and I, I use it often with people in the industry because they might understand it a little bit better. Uh, with clients, they probably don't understand the difference in in really any difference between me or or a competitor. And and those, when I say client, I mean people that aren't doing real estate day to day. Right. Those doing real estate day to day would understand that and and probably appreciate that. And I do use that term. And yeah. Yeah, I, I do use it. I mean, obviously, local and boutique are kind of interchangeable for me, but at the same time, yeah, I do. I use that uh, term. So um, you joined five years, just over five years ago, Dion, and uh, you're running the uh, property management. What is the biggest challenge you face today in growing uh, the business? 
Um, and do you think, and, and let me kind of elaborate on this question. So think about the challenge you have. In case you should think about the same question as start, well. I'll start. Um, <laughs> and and whether, if, whether if you would have stayed in the big institution, that challenge will disappear, or is it the same challenges? It would be the same challenge. And, and my biggest challenge, and, and you've seen this over the past couple of years, David, is his personnel. Finding the right people for the positions, competent, uh, and understand the urgency and getting back to clients on certain issues. And, and uh, obviously, in our game, we have to fast track and we have to multitask. And so people have to understand how important that is to the client. And in the day, the client has to see the value in the service that we provide. And, and it comes, again, through our, our, our staff. So finding the right people to do the job, committed to the client is, is crucial for us in the success that we have at Barclay Street Real Estate. And that carries across from any company that I've been involved with. We've had, I've been fortunate enough to work with some very uh, good people and, and fortunate enough to be able to bring some of them over to Barclay Street Real Estate from my previous experiences. But that uh, ultimately would be the biggest challenge for me. And being a small shop, you know, it's it's hard sometimes to pitch Barclay Street to somebody sitting in a big, you know, an office somewhere in a big office tower to come over to us. So that's, again, part of the challenge uh, in itself. Casey. Yeah, I, I don't think there's, I, I don't see many challenges daily in terms of recognition of the firm or understanding. I think our biggest challenge in operating is really the economic environment. Uh, we've, we're, we're in a tough period for a lot of industries right now. And uh, that's, that means that we have to really step up and show additional value. So I'm always rethinking how can we, uh, how can we approach this situation? How, what should this client do in this situation? How can, uh, as, as I learn more and more about my clientele and understand how they're operating, what their goals are, it's how do I reinvent myself to assist them with that? And, and I almost looked at myself as a, as a third uh, division or or an outside division in that company and trying to uh, trying to push that business forward. So I, I, I try to and 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 that's a challenge in itself. Trying to figure out how to vest yourself in your client and and sh- and show competence and a desire to assist them in their goals because I don't carry the same card as them. I'm, they're not paying me. Yeah. Uh, so oftentimes that's tough. To, for them to buy into that type of trust and relationship where they'll give me the, the assistance that I need to help them. Um, I have a question again. Uh, all my questions are for both of you because it's two different perspectives. Um, you, you mentioned, Dion, um, that sometimes it's tough to convince people to move to a small company. You use the word small. I use the word boutique. Boutique. Um, it, it's okay. I don't take it personally. <laughs> um, so how do we tell the story? Because both of you just answered a very important question for me, in, and you both said the challenges are the same challenges, whether it's a small company or a big company, whether it's an international or a boutique. So how do we tell the story? Because I'm sure, or maybe I'm doing a mistake here by assuming, but when you are outside looking in, you kind of say, oh, it's a boutique company or a small company, maybe there will be some issues. How do we tell the story that and recruit good people and say, guys, it's the same, a little bit different in size, but it's the same. How do you, what, what do you kind of think now that you've done this transition? Brokerage is uh, is a bit of a unique animal because uh, 
we, as you know, everyone kind of operates their own business inside of the business. Um, so that requires personal investment in yourself, in technology, in your team. And whether you're at the larger shops, smaller shop, uh, the, the amount of investment that comes from above is limited. Um, and that's uh, largely the roof over your head, some admin assistance uh, and signage and uh, some capital if you need it. But it's really management of your own systems as a, as a broker and a team and growing and what, what's next in the business. Uh, and I can tell you my colleagues and my competitors in the industry are looking at the exact same challenges that I have in terms of staying ahead of the curve and advancing ourselves professionally uh, and technologically. So, um, And that's something that's really important to me. That's important to my team, and we do invest in that. Um, so probably the... Probably the one thing that keeps us uh, on par, regardless of the card. Yeah, I would say at this point in time, our story is being told by our clients. Uh, you know, we've been very successful in, in recruiting or obtaining new clients. We deliver the service. You know, so if we commit to something, when we sit down with a client, we talk about their needs, their expectations. We deliver on that, and as a result, you know, they're still they're telling our story to other prospective clients, and and we're growing that way. And even you know, I've, I you know, we hear stories from prospective uh, employees or people that are considering coming over to Barclay Street, and they'll you know make mention that, well, yes, you took their contract last week, or you're you're growing. I've heard this from from our competitors, kind of thing. So our our story is now being told by our clients because of the fact that we're delivering on. The, the service that we, we commit when we sit in front of a prospective client and say that this, we're prepared to do this for you. Uh, so that's, that's our story at this point. It's being told by our clients or our, our current clients. Um, you know, I always kind of preach, of course, being an entrepreneur myself for, for the entrepreneurship, but uh, I'm sure there are some advantages also to work for a big institution. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, obviously, with big organizations, you have strong covenants. You know, you never have to worry about the smaller clients having cash flow issues, that kind of stuff. You've got strength in that. And then, and as far as, again, the, the name is concerned, you've got support. Like when I recall being with uh, GWL Realty Advisors, we had we had customer service uh, representatives, a VP of customer service. We had some individual running that division of, of uh, that training. Uh, we had, you know, development. We had uh, uh property management to individuals that were supportive uh, on the technical side. So you had all that support, all that strength, uh, that depth, uh, and that not to say that we don't offer that through Barclay Street, but certainly we have to kind of work it in different uh, managers' uh, abilities or skill sets. So that's a, a bit of a challenge, but, but we still deliver on that front. So, Casey, you mentioned earlier, uh, and I had same question, advantages in a, in a big uh, brokerage. You mentioned one of them earlier uh, as uh, you know, some doors will be open faster or open to the big companies, not to the small boutique companies. Are there advantages you kind of uh, had with being with the callers at the time? And that's probably uh, indicative of the relationships. You have more people in an organization. There's more relationships. Uh, so that that'll open more doors. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to keep the door open yourself and push push through that and gain your own level of trust to do business. Um, the probably the the biggest thing that I uh, that I identified as being significant when when I was at the big institution was was context and 
uh, understanding the scope of the market, the size of it, what was possible as a broker, what 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 was achievable. Um, so as your as your uh, goldfish globe shrinks, you think you might be as successful, or you don't have exposure to some of the things going on there. But that's just a matter of keeping in touch with uh, people in the industry. And because I've been exposed to that, I I know what's going on, and and so I I don't lose that set of context in my mind. Um, but coming from that helped me to to see you know the massive multiple hundred million dollar deals that happen across the country and um, and there's other ways that you can inform yourself and keep yourself grounded and and in an, in a world where you understand uh, what's possible um, did you have um a situation that someone said, oh, you're a small company, uh, that's why I won't give you uh, the business. That question is for both of you, but that question you guys are going to answer immediately after we come back from our next break, because guess what? Uh, we reached our second commercial break. So uh, when you open your new tab, check out our website, www.barkleystreet.com. Check our listings and team pages. Follow Barclay Street on Twitter and connect with us on LinkedIn. We'll be back with the following. We will be back with you following the commercials. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D-I-V-I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Uh, we're back for the home stretch of today's shows of Taking Care of Business. And uh, my guest here, guests here are Dion Krapko, Vice President, Property Management, and uh, Casey Stewart, Vice President, Industrial at Barclay Street Real Estate. Uh, and the question uh, I asked you guys before we uh, had to kind of take a break for commercial was, was there a situation that someone told you, you just because you're a boutique firm, I can't work with you. Not not because we didn't do the work well, or just because the fact that you know this is an institution, a big well, and you're a small boutique. That's why I don't. I can't give you the business. I can't think of those words coming out of anyone's <laughs> mouth, um, but I can certainly think of um, you know something similar. So a lot of the larger REITs are based out of Toronto and decisions are often made in Toronto on listings. Um, so they want to sometimes see uh, for some of the larger high, higher profile product, they want to see a, um, a national or interna- international organization, right? And we have that affiliation and we have that exposure, uh, but it's not it's not quite the same because they're not running all the same banners, the same, the same business names. So yeah, I can't actually even think of one instance where that's been said to me, but I know in the last five years that that type of situation has come up, I think with Crete. I want to say Crete, but not sure. Not that I missed the listings anyway. So. <laughs> see, Dion? I can say for sure that I have had somebody say that to point blank, that uh, they were looking for a national presence or coverage for a property management uh, contract uh, arrangement across the country that we weren't unfortunately able to deliver in you know, in the east so unfortunately we weren't able to bid on certain projects but you know I do still see the, the boutique side of it as a positive uh, certainly in Calgary and in Edmonton as well and throughout Alberta but yeah we have had that before that we if we don't have that national presence we have lost the opportunity to, to bid some of these contracts um, the next question um, is a little bit kind of uh, I would say you can use it as advertisement as well. <laughs> um, you have now a five-year kind of rearview mirror of what you have done here and what we have done here. Uh, what are the advantages you see working for a boutique firm after 15 years in an institution kind of environment, moving to the entrepreneurship environment? What are the advantages you see um, in, our, in this environment? compared to, of course, the other? Well, from a property management perspective, I would have to say for certain, just the ability for us to adapt, to adjust our service offering to our clients. Uh, Whereas I found with the large corporations, they had a mandate structure, which is great, but I did find when we had variations, you know, a client would potentially come to us with a request for something a little off to the side, we would have a difficult time managing that within our structure of our portfolio platform or our property management platform. Whereas Barclay Street, we, we typically will adjust our service offering as required by the client to, to meet their needs, you know, if it's a risk mitigation, if it's a uh, tenant issues, uh, retention issues in properties, that kind of stuff. We can cater to their needs here locally by by adapting our staff, our offering, our you know our accounting packages, whatever we need to do to meet their their requirements. Uh, so that's been the one most positive thing. And honestly, for me, uh, I'm a kind of guy that, and David, you can probably attest to this. I'm a kind of an action guy. So when I am sitting on something and I can't make a decision, can't deliver because of some kind of restriction above me, uh, it's a little frustrating for me. So I appreciate, uh, you know, the support of Adam Barkley Street and the fact that we can 
we can deliver in a very timely fashion. We don't sit on things. We don't wait for things to blow up. We, we deal with it in a timely fashion and then offer up uh, solutions. Okay, Casey, what, what's the advantages you see coming from an international brokerage to a local brokerage with an affiliation in other markets? I th- the biggest advantage that I see for our clients so far has been uh, in multiple markets being able to choose and work with the best brokers in each market. Um, Can you elaborate? But yeah, I mean, with with an affiliation um, or with uh, with a larger banner, uh, if you're if you're doing a transaction in Vancouver, you are oblo- obliged to utilize the brokerage in in Vancouver. Um, you can't if uh, if the if the guy that is there is inadequate or unable to service that business properly or is not the best guy in the market. Um, or won't give you the time of day, uh, or whatever the case may be, that that doesn't matter. Um, there's an obligation there to utilize the company. So ha- being part of a boutique, you can go into different markets, and we've been around Western Canada, uh, even Ontario, into the U.S. with our clients, and uh, we do our research on who's there, and uh, we can choose the best, the best group. Coincidentally, we often have developed strong relationships with our uh, affiliate uh, TCN, and we have quality guys in a lot of markets. And I've I've certainly been impressed uh, going down specifically into the U.S. and uh, Houston, Dallas, Chicago. I mean, we've got a, a ton of quality guys there that uh, work their butts off uh, when something comes forward. So that's not often the case. Um, you know, people take it for vet, for uh, granted when someone comes forward when you're with uh, one of the bigger shops. Um, you know, they have to come to you. So why would I service it properly? Because I, you're always going to come to me. I see. Uh, that's a very interesting point. So um, what is the disadvantage you find in a boutique company? If, if there isn't. Well, yeah, we're grasping at straws here now, so... Um, and, and don't forget, I signed the commission <laughs> checks. <laughs> uh, I'd say probably just uh, having to push harder at some doors. Um, but there's a lot of clients, there's a lot of business in, the, in this market, and there's a lot of opportunity. Um, and so that isn't necessarily a disadvantage uh, because it's it's made me work harder for the business that I have. And... Um, it's, I, I, I don't think that we've been negatively disadvantaged. We're still, you, you've, you, you see how we're performing and that hasn't changed since we uh, switched shops. So um, I think as a broker, it's, it's really made me a better, a better salesperson, a better person to trust, a better person to understand my clients, understand what they want and what they need because I have to react to them. I have one question that relates more to you, Casey, and, and then to Dion. So, when you guys made the decision to move from Collier's to Barker Street Real Estate, did you think that you'll lose some business, some volume? Did you think that working from the boutique shop, you'll be kind of, your production will be lower than what you were used to? Yeah, there. I mean, that was certainly a, that was a huge leap of faith. Um, 
So why didn't he say it earlier when I asked about that? <laughs> it was, we, we had never taken uh, a majority of the mandate business uh, through, through that organization. So there was a bit of comfort there that we had built our business ourselves and that it would come with us. But, uh, you know, we left a strong brand. And I think that there's, uh, there's a lot of reasons that people had to potentially stay and work with another group there. But at the end of the day, that didn't happen. Um, so, yeah, but it was, there was certainly concern. Yeah. I see. Um, you know, Dior, I want to ask you one question. Um, Casey just mentioned that uh, it's, Sometimes it's, you know, tougher to push doors and open doors uh, with uh, the brand of uh, Barker Street Real Estate uh, compared to the big uh, international group. So when you did the move from an organization that has a very built-in hierarchy and you were somewhere here, so you had to report up and you had people reporting to you from, were you kind of concerned that, you know, you're coming here and you have to grow the company, but there's no kind of, you know, here's the handbook, here's the playbook. Uh, you have to work by the playbook, uh, as you mentioned that you had it in GWL or others. What, what was your kind of, kind of personal inner feeling? Sure, sure. Well, I had mentioned earlier, it was, there was certainly fear for making the change. I saw the opportunity in growth and having an input or having input in making decisions uh, but at the same time, I did I did fear the fact that I was going to something very very new, um, and I'll be honest with you when when we started talking about uh, for a change, over, you mean you'll be honest. With me. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> coming over. I I really didn't know a lot about Barclay Street real estate property management. There wasn't a lot in the industry. I mean, certainly there were some accounts that you had prior to uh, that were significant, but to that to that extent, I didn't know a lot about Barclay Street as a property management firm in the city. So yeah, it was it was a bit unnerving to to consider the opportunity or the change. But uh, you know, after speaking with you and 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 being assured that you know you all have your support, it, it's been a great great transition for sure. It's been a great experience. So I'm a good salesman. Very good. Salesman. That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you could change one thing, carte blanche, one thing you can change with our comp- with the company, what will it be? With our company. Yeah, you uh, work here at the boutique, right. at the boutique firm. Right. You know, boutique firm, uh, usually they say the buck stops here. Mm-hmm. But if I gave you the opportunity to change one thing, what in your division, in your responsibility, or in, or in the company, what would it be? Think about yours. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good question. One thing to change. I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I'm, I'm given the opportunity or the autonomy to make a lot of these changes uh, um, internally, um, and, and I have your full support. So as far as changes that I would make. Uh, I'm trying to think offhand here. Casey, while Dion is thinking, you said you already know the answer. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that came to mind was uh, moving the downtown office out uh, to be with us in the southeast. So uh, it'd be nice to have more cohesion and to see uh, some more of the day-to-day and work with work with a lot of the guys and, and ladies downtown. Can we kind of decide somewhere around Chinook, Chinook so we don't Hall, have to? I, there's options out there. So, yeah, that'd probably be the – that's the first thing that came to mind. I see. And you? You know what? Now that he mentions that, would probably be my, my choice as well. Move a bit uh, somewhere out of the downtown core. And I realize we have brokers that work out of the core, but, you know, it's fairly easily accessible and it would certainly be a nice uh, – Location, if we can move a little further south. Maybe we should start a committee. Uh, New location. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, 
today you you go out and you get a call from someone, a friend um, that says, I want to join the industry. What are you going to recommend? Go to the big wells or go to a smaller shop? Where will you learn faster? Where will you kind of have your teeth in that? I, I've had many coffees with young people coming out of university so that I have been asked that question. Interestingly, I can't think that I've ever said go with a big shop or a small shop. Uh, my advice to them is always start at the bottom. Um, work research, spend your time, don't push it, don't move quickly uh, and try to find someone that you trust in the business that you can work with long term. I'm a big believer in teams as you know I've got a uh, where there's six of us uh, that work together and uh, that's that's huge. So finding people uh, and people that you trust that you can work with daily and uh, an organization that you can align yourself with is important and whether that's large or small, that's an individual choice. Yeah, I, I mirror those comments. When, when, I have, when I'm asked that question, I simply I tell them that it's best to research the people that you'll be working with within the organization as opposed to the, the actual organization. So if you've got strong individuals that you can mentor under, learn under, and then they'll, they'll work with you as a team member as opposed to some sort of subordinate, I think that makes a lot more sense in, in, in your research rather than researching the actual company per se. Um. My next question is uh, kind of same, but a little bit. If you find, if you meet someone that is a little bit more of a veteran, uh, five, ten years in the industry, and he is kind of or she is kind of thinking of move, would you recommend stay, or do you recommend you know there's a big option uh, opportunity in the private sector as well? No question. I mean. The, when you when you really cut down to it in the big shops, it's all about production and uh, you're numbered to them, right? So, uh, and and a lot of times there's a lot more bodies there. So, and it's diff, it, it can be a difficult world to operate in. There's a lot of big uh, egos and uh, personalities walking around, and so a smaller shop gives you an opportunity to be a part of more of a smaller family. Absolutely yeah. agree. Absolutely agree with that comment. Any regrets? Five years in. Dion? No, no regrets, uh, but but I do have gray hair. Casey can't see him across the table, but I do have gray hair. <laughs> He's so coloring. He's barely. <laughs> Casey, any regrets? Uh, n- none that Ooh, comes to mind. He's, he paused. He yeah. hesitated. Well, I got to try and think of an answer. I can't just say no. I'd made for, make for a short radio show. I see. Um there's no doubt that we went a long way from where we were in 2001 at the beginning of Barclay Street real estate journey. Uh, we're not perfect. We still have a long road ahead of us. And we're striving to get better all the time. Our strength is our people. They create our success and build our brand. Our promise to our clients as we defined it in 2009 is because we care. And our success comes from being local, out-of-the-box th- out thinkers. As you all know, local expertise matter. Guys, we have uh, to wrap today's episode of Taking Care of Business. I would like to thank you both, Dion and Casey, for sharing with us uh, your experiences, uh, feelings, and thoughts on on a big move like this and the difference between the big and the boutique companies. Next week, we'll be broadcasting from Santa Monica, California. Our guest will be Barry Beitler, president of Beitler Commercial Realty in Los Angeles, and Ross Ford, president and COTCN Worldwide Real Estate Services. 
A big thank you to our listeners. Of course, my engineer, Aaron, and Cassandra, my assistant. Without them, I'm lost. I would love to hear uh, your feedback as well uh, as guest suggestions. My email is dvwallock at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook, and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'll meet you here at www.voiceamerica.com slash variety next Tuesday, October 23rd, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallach. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.